0: welcome to the wake and rake podcast my mind you just wake up and want a chance to be featured on the show follow at wake and rake pod on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok i'm kind of a big deal here's danny and will i need nobody. what's good fun people you know I, I started this podcast off as a rake 10 and brooksy he's on assignment he's Getting his way back from a wedding right now, and this was supposed to be a short ten-minute episode, and then I started going on the Juan Soto uh, discussion. And I have one team, you guys, one specific team that I think is that is so suspiciously lurking, just waiting to pounce on this twenty-three-year-old outfielder that seemingly every team is vouching for. Um, there's one team folks, that one, has the trade package, two, has the desire, and three, has the money to be able to attain his services and extend them. There's one team, and I'm going to break that down later in this episode. Again, this was supposed to be a rate right 10, 10-minute 10 episode, but there's just too much to discuss. The Juan Soto sweepstakes are, they're turning up. They're turning up. There's a new report from John Heyman. We apparently have a front runner. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. The trade deadline is coming up in about a week's time. Not a lot of time. Things are going to start getting really interesting very, very quickly. And the Juan Soto sweepstakes, as I mentioned, are going to intensify. So I'm going to spend half of this episode talking about this past weekend and the other half of this episode talking about the top landing Spots for Juan Soto. This was completely out of the blue, spontaneous flying by the seat of my pants type deal here. me and Brooksy are we're planning are planning on doing a full episode talking about the trade deadline, buyers, sellers. We're gonna be doing that this week too. So you know what? we all went out. We get two bonus episodes essentially of the wake and raid podcast or at least one bonus episode here talking about Juan Soto. so we, we, we tell you guys every week we're giving people. That's just what we're doing here. The more content, the better. Happy Monday. Baseball had a big weekend. Standing shifted a bit. We had some drama out in Arizona. And we may have a frontrunner in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Let's get into it. Bring out the brooms. Supersized brooms. Dodgers swept their rival Giants in a four-game series. San Francisco is now just one game over 500. And, frankly, it looked completely outmatched by la in the series not good enough uh really frustrating a uh, uh, level of play that is just not going to be acceptable for us there's no other way to to classify it's just not good enough speaking of sweeps blue jays came into fenway park and swept the red Sox. should have said speaking of outmatched but anyways boston has now lost five straight games They've been outscored by 54 runs in those five games. That's what I kind of meant by that whole outmatch thing. It was a weekend of sweeps, really. I mean, let's just keep it rolling. The Cubs swept the Phillies in Philadelphia. No, that's not a typo. The Brewers took three of three from the visiting Colorado Rockies. The Twinkies had a short two-game series win over Detroit. Is it really considered a sweep if it's only two games? I don't know. Another conversation for another day, I guess. And the Mariners who went into the All-Star break with a 14-game win streak, were swept by the first-place Houston Astros in Seattle. Julio Rodriguez, by the way, did not play in that series with a sore wrist. Of course, he did participate in the Home Run Derby and MLB All-Star game earlier that week. Apparently, he busted his wrist in a stolen base attempt in the Sunday before the All-Star break against Texas. Our weekend series winners, the Royals, took 2-3 or from the Rays. D backs took a series at home against the Nationals. Oakland took two from the Rangers. That's their second series win in a row, actually. San Diego went into New York and took the series against the first place New York Mets. The Redbirds of St. Louis went into Southwest Ohio to take a series against Cincinnati. Sandy Alcantara continued to shove a 10 strikeout performance on Sunday. That clinched the series for the Marlins over Pittsburgh. Atlanta continues to inch closer to that nationally east. First place spot after a series victory over the Angels. And the fighting Aaron Judges took two of three from Baltimore at Camden Yards. Aaron Judge hit his fourth Jimmy in five days, extending his MLB home run lead to 37. Looking at the standings now, not much has changed other than the Mariners dropping down into the third wild card spot in the American League. And the Cardinals stepped into a wild card spot with the Phillies now on the outside looking in following getting swept by Chicago. Let's transition to the headlines. David Ortiz delivered a hell of a speech in front of a massive crowd before officially being inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. When I first came to Boston, I have a manager named Grady Lito, who was the manager at the time. And my very first bat against the Twins during spring training, I tried to move a runner over. And I thought when I got back to the dugout, everybody was going to high five me. Anybody stay sit. And the manager put me to the side and told me, Hey big boy, I don't want you to bring them. I don't want you, I don't want you to be here to move them over. I want you to be here to bring them in. The rest is history. Big poppy remains the best. And it reminded me of something. I got kind of a random one for you all today. I went through a bit of a speech rabbit hole on YouTube type thing this last weekend. I came across a clip of Ken Griffey Jr giving a speech in front of a sold-out Safeco field in Seattle in celebration of his former teammate Jay Buhner's retirement. By the end of the speech, he had the entire stadium in tears. Just just, just listen to this. A guy who listens to country music, wears cowboy boots, big belt buckles. I got 17 speakers in a car, sweatsuits rap music, two people that are so far apart on every level, became really close. Now, I don't know if that's the pitching changes that we had and I went over to left—I mean right field and he came over, but there is no other person in, in this world other than my parents that if, if something ever happened to me or my wife, That I would want to raise my kids. That last line is powerful stuff, man. not sure there is a better compliment you can give than that right there. Before we get too off topic, I'll get back to our headlines here. Aaron Ashby signed a five-year extension with the Milwaukee Brewers. Ashby has recently cemented himself into a hybrid starter relief role with Milwaukee over the last couple of years. 122 strikeouts across 102 third innings 31 games 16 starts a front runner as we alluded to earlier has reportedly emerged in the Juan Soto sweepstakes according to John Heyman St. Louis Cardinals have become that team Heyman citing the Redbirds highly regarded farm system and potentially MLB ready talent CBS Sports as RJ Anderson confirmed the Cardinals interest adding that a potential deal could include national Southpaw Patrick Corbin as a bit of a salary dump, if you will. We do not have a cup of brooksy today. Will is traveling back from a wedding, which means the floor is all mine. That's right. For the sake of wanting a cool segment name, let's call it Danny Depps, right? Like, can we do that? Is that too lame? I want to do it anyways, whether you like it or not. I want to continue this Juan Soto conversation. Everybody's talking about how their team has the best farm system and they have enough money to pay Juan Soto this and that. There's one team that I truly believe has the best trade package available and can afford the contract that Juan Soto is going to demand that half a billion dollars. You know, I'm going to tease you guys a little bit. though I'm not just going to give you guys my one team right away. I got I to entice you guys to stay around a little bit. So first, let me give you a few teams that are definitely going to be in the running. Uh, we mentioned the Cardinals, how they're the front runner, but I have a few other teams that are going to be in the mix for Juan Soto. I expect to hear these teams in the discussions in the coming days for his services, if not the coming days and in the coming year. You know, we talked about it before. Juan Soto does not have to be traded this year. It's a very unique situation where the Nationals are selling, they're on the market. Nationals principal owner Mark Lerner partner of Leonsis' own Monumental Sports. Sounds pretty cool. Promptness will be invited, but it's not absolutely necessary, if you will. Juan Soto is expected to be a free agent as of right now after the 2024 season. And the market is so strange for Soto because there's a group of people over here kind of on the left. And they believe that only the big market teams are going to be able to draw Juan Soto to their team because there's only a certain amount of teams that can afford Juan Soto and his $500 million extension that he's going to be asking for. But there's another side of things where, as I just mentioned, Juan Soto isn't a free agent for another two years. So you can make the argument that a small market team, say the Chicago White Sox, say the Tampa Bay Rays, a small market team that is intending on contending immediately for a world series could vouch for his two-year services not extend him and let him walk in a couple years you you go for it all you take a two-year flyer essentially two and a half year flyer whatever it may be on Juan Soto you go for that title and if you can't afford him so what you let him walk very similar to kind of the Francisco Lindor situation in Cleveland before they sent him out to New York The the Guardians now, they were the Indians at the time. Cleveland thought about keeping Lindor instead of trading him. And then they ended up getting the right trade package. They got all-star Andres Jimenez. But that's the situation we're dealing with, is that Washington is selling the team. They're going to want to get the best offer on the table. And that doesn't mean that that best offer is going to come from the biggest market. The Tampa Bay Rays have one of the best farm systems in baseball. They could put together a trade package. So... Just understand that there are probably 29 teams right now that can make an argument that they could go vouch for Juan Soto's services right now. 29 teams. Small market teams, mid-level teams, big market teams. Well, maybe not Oakland. I don't think Oakland can quite make a case considering they're one small market. Two, yeah, they're not exactly contending for a championship team right now. So if you're a small market team not contending, the Royals, the A's, Teams like that, probably not in the best situation right now. But again, big market teams, mid-market teams, small market teams. There's a lot of teams vouching for his services. Now, keep in mind, this is my list. And and I want to, I can't emphasize this enough. There is really no one team that we know of where Juan Soto is going right now. Nobody knows. Uh, Everybody has their opinions. I'm, I'm reading here, Buster Olney wrote that the Toronto Blue Jays front office could make a run at Juan Soto. I truly believe, like I mentioned, that 20-plus teams could vouch for his services. This is my list. Okay, this is my list. This is my understanding. The people that I've talked to, my understanding of the situation, this is what I believe. So let's get into the top landing spots for Juan Soto. Here's a mid-market team that is intending on contending over the least the next couple of years, and they've actually shown an increasing uh, desire or uh, a willingness to spend money, not as the Seattle Mariners. Uh, John Heyman did mention the Seattle Mariners as a possible landing spot for Juan Soto. Uh, Jerry Depoto in that front office is interested, um, as many other front offices are. And the Mariners have a very strong farm system as well. Many of us know by now that Jerry Kelenic's story, uh, once a top 10 MLB prospect, they got him over to Seattle in the trade for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz a few years back. Now Kelenic showed off some power last season. Hit for below the Mendoza line, and this year uh, again hit below the Mendoza line, but the power numbers fell off. The Mariners sent him back down to AAA, where he has since succeeded, but they really wanted him to work on his discipline. The Mariners also had Noel Marte, who is another shortstop at high A right now. He's the number 19 prospect in baseball. Uh, George Kirby is currently on the Major League Baseball roster. They're, right now they're limiting his innings because he is such a young kid but the mariners are a team that are trying they're trying to compete if not this year then in the next 2-3 years with guys like Julio Rodriguez. Uh they just signed Robbie Ray to a big time deal to have his services for the next few years. They're going to have Logan Gilbert, that rotation's very stout. Um and they have a good farm system. So the Mariners absolutely could be in play here. The second team I have on this list. By the way, this is in no order except for my final team which I already teased a handful of times by now. But the next team on my list is the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays have the number one farm system in baseball. That means they could put together the best trade package seemingly than any other team in baseball. They could offer the best prospects. They could offer the most weight in a package. And for a team like the Washington Nationals, if you're not going to have one soda, you want your team to be the most valuable it could possibly be when you go to sell. What better way to sell your team and to up the value of your franchise than having a strong farm system and having the best trade package? So that's what Washington is dealing with. Maybe they can't afford Juan Soto. Maybe they're going to trade them. A lot of things still up in the air. But one thing is for certain is that when you go to sell a team, you want it to be the most valuable that it possibly can. The perfect uh, example, illustration I can give is if you're selling a house And you have the opportunity to update the kitchen. It depends on how much you're willing to spend, right? If you update the kitchen, you up the value of your house by 50 grand, but it's going to cost 10 grand. That's absolutely a deal that you're willing to make. Um, However, to update the kitchen, if it's going to cost $50,000 and it only ups the value of your house by a couple thousand or whatever it may be, that's what the Washington Nationals are dealing with. They are trying to get the best bang for their buck. And Tampa Bay had the best record in the American League one year ago. I know they're still in the wild card race this year. They're in contention, albeit not as great of a year as they had last year. But they're constantly in the mix, strong farm system, and a really good ball club. And they're going to have guys like Wander Franco, Shane McClanahan, some really top-notch guys and top-tier guys on their roster for years to come. Now, let's go from super small market to super large market, right? The New York Yankees make sense. Now, Where the Yankees lack in, say, prospects, they make up for in desire and, well, money and fit, right? Juan Soto wants to play for a winner. Juan Soto is a big-time name who, would obviously, you would think would want to play in a big-time market, right? I don't know Juan on a personal level. I can say playing for the New York Yankees is often uh, a desire of many baseball players, young baseball players. Can't say that for certain about Soto, but it makes sense. Big name, big market, biggest team in baseball. New York, obviously, would be able to afford his half a billion dollar contract extension as well. New York is also dealing with this Aaron Judge situation. Now, Aaron Judge is a free agent at the end of this year. Aaron Judge is going to demand likely more than $250 million. The difference is is that Judge, the reason it's going to be so much cheaper, total contract value-wise is because Aaron Judge is 31 years old, Juan Soto is 23 years old. So it's a they're two different situations, but they play the same position, and they're both premier hitters in this league, and they're both going to demand a lot of money, at least on a per-annual standpoint. So New York is in contention right now. They're the best record in the league. They're the best team in baseball. They're trying to win a World Series. They've been close. They've fallen short time and time again over the last few years. They have some guys in their, in their system, Volpe, and, and guys like Jason Dominguez. It really depends on what Brian Cashman wants to do. But they do have some guys in their farm system. They do have money. And depending on this Aaron Judge situation, they may need an outfielder. And could you imagine how many home runs Juan Soto will hit with that short porch to right field? Yeah. The last two on my list before getting to my number one destination are the San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers San Diego what can they offer well CJ Abrams who has been on the big league roster up and down this season and Mackenzie Gore I believe the San Diego Padres have the best MLB ready package I just mentioned Gore and Abrams Robert Hassel a top 100 prospect in baseball he's also expected to be in a trade package if it was going to be for Juan Soto um, AJ Preller has shown To be aggressive, A.J. Prello, the Padres general manager, has shown that he's willing to do whatever it takes to try and contend for a championship. Padres ownership has shown a willingness to spend as they have increased payroll each of the past five years. They just signed Tatis to that big-time deal. They signed guys like Eric Cosmer, Manny Machado. They brought over guys like you, Darvish and Blake Snell. There's a lot of talent on that roster. And this team right now could really use a bat in that lineup. Will Myers' money his contract is going to be coming off the book soon. Eric Hosmer they're looking to try and get somebody to take over that contract. And even if they don't, in a couple of years, depending on what you do with Soto's contract, if Soto's contract doesn't, his extension doesn't kick in for two more years, well, that's when Eric Hosmer's contract is going to come off the book. So that would allow the Padres front office a little bit of wiggle room. So between Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, and potentially Adrian Morahone, who was really one of the up-and-coming young starters for the Padres before undergoing Tommy John surgery last year, they have MLB-ready talent. In my opinion, the Padres have the most MLB-ready talent that they could put into a package. In the aforementioned Los Angeles Dodgers. So Dodgers, are, uh, another team that has a very strong farm system seemingly every year. We saw in the All-Star game, Dodger fans in center field come to L.A., uh, chance right straight to Juan Soto. During the All-Star game, Soto kind of laughed it off. And I mentioned the Padres with MLB-ready talent. Now, the Dodgers certainly could have MLB-ready talent to put into a package. I just am not sure whether Andrew Friedman in that front office would want to include guys like Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, uh, Gavin Lux. If you include guys like Gavin Lux, Dustin May, maybe the Dodgers could surpass the Padres in that MLB-ready department. Um, And and I mentioned a farm system for the Dodgers. Diego Cartea, number 13 prospect in all of baseball. Bobby Miller, right-handed pitcher in double-A right now. He's expected to make his MLB debut, if not this season, then the next. He's the number 26 prospect in baseball. Uh, Michael Bush, Andy Pages. The Dodgers have a lot of depth in their farm system. And I just mentioned some of the guys already at the MLB level. They could put together a strong package. And the Dodgers are obviously the highest spending team in all of baseball. Their $500 million extension offer to Juan Soto would just be pennies on the dollar for them at this point. They can spend, they can put together a trade package, and who doesn't want to live in that great weather down there in Southern California? Los Angeles would be a great fit. But you know what? It's not the perfect fit. We've talked about the Mariners, Padres, Mets, Yankees, Cardinals, all potentially being involved. And San Francisco has been very Quiet throughout it all. You know what? San Francisco has actually been very quiet over the past couple of seasons. And that's despite winning 107 games last season, being in the playoff race this season. And you know that meme going around of Brian Windhorst talking about the Utah Jazz, fingers pointing up in the air, like what's going on in Utah? That's how I feel with San Francisco right now. They've had a lot of transition since going from Brian Sabian in their front office, Bruce Boce at the managerial position. They since transitioned into Farhan Zaidi, president of baseball operations now in San Francisco, and now Gabe Kapler, more of a analytical approach to the game. A lot has changed in San Francisco, but they have yet to really bring in their face of the franchise player because when Farhan Zaidi took over in San Francisco, he inherited the contracts of Buster Posey, Johnny Coito, Mark Melanson, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, and Evan Longoria. All older guys in their 30s. Now, since then, Posey, his contract's gone. Johnny Cueto, his contract gone. Kevin Gosman, he's now with Toronto. Posey was making $22 million in 2021. Cueto, $21 million. Kevin Gosman, $18.9 million. Now, Brandon Belt was a free agent The Giants then offered him a qualifying offer, which was a one-year contract, $18.4 million. And he did sign that deal, of course. Brandon Crawford was going to be a free agent. He signed a two-year extension. The Giants have a club option on Evan Longoria after 2023. So even after the Brandon Bell qualifying offer, the Brandon Crawford two-year extension, the Giants had upwards of $60 million to spend in free agency this last year. And what did they do with that money? They went and signed Jock Peterson to a one-year $6 million deal. Carlos Rodon to a two-year $44 million deal. Now, both those guys were all-stars, but neither of those deals are long-term. Neither of those deals are going to break the bank. And that, when you do the math, they had upwards of $60 million to spend. And their two biggest free agents make a combined this year between Jock and Carlos Rodon of $28 million. At the seventh highest payroll in the league, they're $56 million below the luxury tax threshold. Keep in mind, the Giants paid that tax for three straight years, between 2015 to 2017. They're not afraid to spend money. They own the Bay Area. Money is not an issue for this organization. San Francisco, I'll, I'll, let's, let's rewind it a, a few years back here, okay? San Francisco, when Bryce Harper was a free agent, offered him, reportedly— a $300-plus million deal. Now, he did not take that deal. He ended up obviously signing with Philadelphia, for a longer, 13-year, $330 million deal. But they were there. They were in the running for it. The Giants have had a different starting left fielder on opening day every year since Barry Bonds retired. Every single year. At 2007, people, that's 15 years, a different starting left fielder on opening day. Jock Peterson was that this year now Juan Soto could play right field and you know that trend could continue I'm not saying they have to put Juan Soto on left field but the point is the outfield in San Francisco has been ever changing for a decade and a half now I did not mention one of the most important parts and that's of course the trade packages do the Giants have enough within their farm system to put together a trade package to get Juan Soto well according to Major League Baseball in their farm system rankings for 2022, the San Francisco Giants have the 11th best farm system ranking. Last year, they were ranked as high as eighth in the midseason. Some guys include Joey Bart, who was their first round draft pick a few years ago, and he was expected to take over for Buster Posey, but has since struggled since hitting the big leagues. Marco Luciano. Luciano is the number ninth ranked prospect in all of baseball. A couple other guys in that top 100, Kyle Harrison, a left-handed pitcher. He is the 25th ranked prospect in all of baseball. Luis Matos, an outfielder. He's the 65th ranked prospect in all of baseball. And I didn't even mention in this entire discussion, Elliot Ramos, who was once a top 100 MLB prospect. Let's keep this in mind too, the Nationals. They won a World Series just three years ago. Okay, but they're at a transition period now where they're selling the team. They're not winning games. Juan Soto wants to be part of a winner. Well, the San Francisco Giants just won three World Series in 2010, 2012, and 2014. They won 107 games one year ago. They're going to be in the playoff race. They're going to spend money. They're going to be a competitive team for years to come. So to summarize my whole point here, San Francisco has three top 100 MLB prospects, not including Elliot Ramos, first round pick Hunter Bishop from two years ago. Top 11 farm system and baseball secondly they have money to spend they had more than 60 million dollars this last offseason. they have more contracts coming up off the books and belt longoria and crawford over the next two years than they did not spend on any big time free agents this last year and thirdly their outfield has been a revolving door since barry bonds left in 2007 Other than maybe Hunter Pence in right field for a few years, Angel Pagan in center field for a few years, you mix in guys like Andres Torres and Pat Burrell, it has been a revolving door for years. Seventh highest payroll, $56 million. They need an outfielder. They need an outfielder to plug into the middle of their lineup. That's what they've been missing this year. They opted not to re-sign Chris Bryant, and they've since struggled putting together a lineup on a day-to-day basis. They can mix and match with the best of them. They can platoon with the best of them in the league, but they do not have a guy that they can pencil in through their two, three, or four hole on a day-to-day basis and know what to expect on a day-to-day basis. That's what Juan Soto gives you. At 23 years old, one of the best pure hitters that we've seen in the game in decades. He can play left field. He can play right field. That's what San Francisco needs. They have the money. They have the prospects, and they have the desire. San Francisco, to me, albeit not the front runner, according to reports, they will absolutely be in the discussions, just as they were with guys like Bryce Harper. They will be in the discussion for Juan Soto. Is it a Homer argument? Because I grew up a San Francisco Giants fan. I'm in Northern California, maybe. But you know what? The logistics makes sense. It really does. That does it for Danny Depp's we got a full episode of the Wake and Rake podcast, as we promised, coming out this week. We'll talk about the trade deadline. Brooksy has some thoughts on the Red Sox. Will they buy? Will they sell? Maybe we'll get some more Juan Soto developments. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Talk to you all soon.